Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. All right, raise your hand if sometime in the last week you opened your closet door, you looked in your closet, and you said the words, I have absolutely nothing to wear. And then you quickly ran to your computer, you opened as many browsers as humanly possible, and you started searching for... Of course, new things to add to your wardrobe. I mean, that's what we do, right? I'm Shauna Compton Game. This is Millennial Money. And today we're talking reinvent your wardrobe and save some cash with Brooklyn Decker and Whitney Casey and Ask Shauna Question. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain.
So today's Ask Shauna isn't so much a question as it is a story of success. This was sent in by Robin in New York City. And Robin says, hey, Shauna, I've been looking at my income and expenses, and I've been feeling so stressed out from month to month. I listened to one of your episodes where you talked about building a reward in each month to your budget, and I started doing it a few months ago. At first, I was so worried it would cause me to go over budget even more, but oddly enough, it motivated me to manage my money better each month. Strange, huh? I never thought these little mind tricks would actually work, but I'm here to say it did actually work for me, so I think it could work for others, and I really wish you would share this with them. I started the first month with just a $15 splurge on my favorite ice cream in New York City as a treat for reviewing my credit score and finally tracking my weekly expenses. By just doing that, I freed up an extra $50 a month I was overspending on in really silly areas. So last month, I treated myself to dinner and a movie for doing the same tracking and came up with a credit card payoff strategy. And I freed up another $25 a month. That's just $75 in a few months. Why didn't I do this sooner? I just wanted to share to inspire other listeners to use rewards and to be active in their finances. It really does make a difference, and I am truly a convert now, believing in these mind tricks that Shauna has talked about on so many different podcast episodes. So hopefully we all decide to add a little reward in, even if it's just a small amount. Thanks so much for this tip. It has really helped me and I'm seeing changes in my finances. So I'm so happy that Robin sent in this success story. First, I'm just happy that it's working for you and that you're able to find extra money. Um, It's a happy day, right? When we find an extra 75 or 100 bucks that we're spending money on that, you know, we can either do it differently or we don't even need to be spending money on that. And while constantly, you know, cutting your expenses is not necessarily the name of the game. I think what Robin's trying to get across is that she was spending money on stuff that she didn't really need to be spending money on. And so she decided like, why not spend it on stuff that I really want to spend money on? So, you know, do you use a reward each month? It's certainly a trick that I use. I've been using for a couple of years now, and I know it sounds so strange, but it does work because so much of this money stuff is mental. And I I feel like I just, I can't say it enough. You know, how we think about our finances, our bank account, our money, it really starts to influence our decisions. And positivity, even if your bank account is really slim, it it goes such a long way. And I'm not just talking out of my ass here. Um, I'm not just talking as an expert, you know, kind of pointing my finger at you. I'm telling you, like, this is the stuff that's worked for me. Um, I've had certain times as an entrepreneur when I was kind of rebuilding from my divorce. Um, I mean, there's just been so many things that have come out of left field. And, you know, I'm looking at my bank account balance and I'm thinking to myself, like, what the F? Like, how is this all going to work out? I don't know. You know, of course, it all has worked out. And I always say, like, I wouldn't trade being an entrepreneur for anything because there have been amazing seasons of rewards and money and things that are way beyond my comprehension. But there also have been seasons of complete drought (laughs) and, you know, trying to stretch everything. And that's really where, you know, uh, 
I think I think that's really the breeding ground for a lot of the tips and things that I bring to you because I've worked with people who have regular W-2 salaries, but who make a lot of cash. And still, you know, there are times of drought for them. There are things that come up where they didn't expect it and they're used to spending at a certain level. And then when something comes up that's super expensive, you know, it's not like you can just stop paying your bills or stop spending the money the way you normally spend it. And, um, you know, then it's like, well, what do I do? How do I figure this out? So, you know, I I found that when you can keep yourself in a positive frame of thinking about your money, and again, I don't want to sound too like airy-fairy about this, but it's so critically important. And I feel like people don't talk about it enough because, There was a time where I didn't even want to look at my ATM receipt. Like it came out of the ATM and I just folded that sucker up. I put it in my wallet and I didn't look at it. Um, You know, I didn't want to know what the number was. And then I realized like, that's ridiculous. Okay, you got to take some ownership over this stuff. Um, And so looking at the numbers actually gave me this empowerment that... I didn't know I could have by looking at the numbers. It didn't change the numbers and the numbers were fine. I mean, that's the crazy thing. The numbers were were fine anyway. Um, but, you know, it gave me the sense of empowerment of like, okay, I have decisions. I, I can make changes and I can think and feel about this any way I want to. And if I'm thinking and feeling about this negatively, then it actually results what I have found and this is not just me, this is a lot of other people that I've worked with, it actually results in a negative um, outcome, I should say. And I have seen people like look at me crazy, like tilt their head, like what is this girl talking about? Being positive and building in rewards? Like I'm living month the month, paycheck to paycheck. How am I going to build in a reward? And then just like Robin, they try it. For a month. And I'm not saying it's like the magic fix. It's not like waving a magic wand, but even just like dipping your toes in this area a little bit, then suddenly sometimes it's like, hmm, you know, there might actually be something to this. And, you know, you start feeling a little bit better about your money. So anyway, long-winded story. I'm happy that, Robin, I'm happy you set that in. It's not just me blabbering on about this stuff. I love it when other people send their success stories because it's not coming from me. It's coming from somebody else and something that worked. Even if it's a tip I didn't talk about on the podcast, I want to hear it. I want to be able to share it with you. So hopefully we can all you know, learn something from uh, all of this stuff, right? Um, so on another note, I'm a part of something called the Smart Money Squad with Go Banking Rates. And it's a collection of money experts. And we recently all came together and compiled tips from a lot of different money experts about their splurges. Like what do they shamelessly or not shamelessly spend their money on every month? And um, it was so much fun participating with this. I'm going to put a link in the show notes because I'd love for you to check out what some people splurge on their money. And, you know, Robin's splurges were ice cream and then a dinner out in a movie. And some people's idea of splurge or reward is a lot more money. You know, for me, I know traveling is such a, like, piece of my soul, I feel. So I know that sometimes I've probably spent way too much money traveling and, 
you know, I won't get that money back. That money doesn't go towards paying off debt. But um, the experience that I had was well worth it. It was well worth making that silly, rash, expensive decision, whatever it may be. And so I think each of us, you know, we have our own place where we like to splurge. And sometimes I'm like, you just got to do it. I mean, you just got to have some fun in life. It's it's no fun if we're just this giant list of rules and checklists and, um, you know, we're, we're not actually living life because this thing only comes around once. Um, so anyway, that was just my my small rant on why I think it's good to splurge and have some rewards. Do it within reason, you know, don't convince yourself if you're going over budget every month, don't convince your convince yourself that you know you need to spend 250 bucks on something that's going to put you even more in the hole. You know, there's got to be some sort of like ownership, some sort of trade-off, but if you do it within reason, it's just going to make you feel better about making smarter money decisions and you know even the ones that aren't so smart eh, you know you'll make up for it on the other end but the point is like you're active in your money and all that stuff makes a difference so I am really excited about today's podcast episode uh, I have two just killer amazing women on this episode Brooklyn Decker, she's an actress, a model. You may know her from Grace and Frankie. Uh, she's married to an ex-tennis pro, Andy Roddick. And her partner, Whitney Casey, her business partner, who is a former ABC and CNN anchor, they've been friends for years. They've been sitting around the dining table lots of times trying to figure out what kind of business idea do they want to have? What do they want to build? You know, and they've thrown out all these different ideas and nothing really stuck until they came up with the idea of the company that they own now called Finery, which it's so cool. I, I love this. It's the first digital wardrobe platform that actually organizes your wardrobe and it uses these like predictive analytics to style you with the clothes you already own. So Brooklyn and Whitney, they created Finery after they you know, we're realizing that, hey, there's Spotify to manage your music. There's TripIt to manage all your travel. There's Mint to manage your finances. But why isn't there an app to manage your wardrobe, which, you know, women typically spend more on than education? Hello. <laughs> that is a major statistic. And um, so they wanted to come up with something where you know, it wasn't about you buying more stuff. It wasn't about you spending more money. It was about using what you have and using it in a smarter way. And so Finery to me is just such an innovative concept. But these are also just bold, badass women who are sharing their journey into entrepreneurship. And it may seem like they have a leg up, like, hey, they're a celebrity. You know, uh, Whitney was on a CNN and and they must have access to contacts that everybody else does. And sure, of course they do, but they've also struggled just like I have to try and get a business off the ground, to try and bring life to a new innovative concept. And so really excited. You're going to totally dig this interview. Uh, I'm just going to little, little asterisk mark, ask you to hang in there with the audio. We were in three different time zones and three different phone lines. So it might be just a little scratchy in certain areas, but it is well worth a listen. There are so many pearls of wisdom. So before we hear from Brooklyn and Whitney, a quick word from our podcast episode sponsor. 
I have been on a search lately for alternatives to literally every expensive bill we have, and our phone bill is right up there at the top. I mean, have you even looked at your phone bill lately? There are so many charges, and honestly, I cannot believe how much we're paying. But luckily, I'm here to tell you about a new company that is just finally making the phone carrier experience an easy one, all while saving you money. It's called Wing. Wing is a new digital-first phone carrier. A phone carrier kind of like you know Verizon or AT&T, except you're actually going to enjoy dealing with Wing. Wing's average bill, are you ready? It's only $35 a month. And I'm going to tell you that's a lot less than what I'm paying now. Plus, Wing uses the same exact cell towers as the major carriers, so you get the same great coverage for less money. No strings attached, no hidden fees. And the real perk is if you don't use all your data in one month, they actually give you money back. So you only ever pay for the data you use, which is the way it should be. You keep your same phone number and your phone. The setup takes just a few minutes and you're never going to be without your service and you won't lose anything on your phone. They handle it all so you don't have to contact your own phone carrier or anything. Plus, Wing offers family plans, unlimited plans, international data, you name it, they got it. They offer a 30-day money-back guarantee so there's nothing to lose. And the average person saves 30% on their bill when they switch. I think you could use 30% in your bank account that you could use for all your other expenses. Right now, my listeners can get $25 off their first phone bill with Wing when you go to wingalpha.com. Click join Wing and enter promo code MYMONEY. Just go to wingalpha.com, that's W-I-N-G-A-L-P-H-A.com. Click join Wing and enter the code MYMONEY. It's time to get with a phone carrier that actually makes sense and start saving up to 30% on your monthly bill. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete.me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete.me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents 
to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. 
After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. So Whitley in Brooklyn, I am so excited to have you both on the podcast today, and uh, I'm looking forward to diving into some fun topics. I recently watched uh, an interview with both of you at Create and Cultivate, and I know you've been friends for a while, and you shared that, you know, you've been over the years kind of tossing around a bunch of business ideas, trying to find the one, which of course you landed on, on Finery, but I'd love to know, were there any, you know, great gems of ideas that didn't work? Yes. Though I wouldn't call them gems of ideas because there's a reason we didn't pursue them. And I would say that the majority of our ideas, here's what it came down to. The majority of our ideas that we came up with, and this is broken by the way, were out there to sell more stuff to the consumer. And trust me, I mean, we're both true consumers. You know, we've built an app that's based on, you know, an online shopping experience and your purchase history and all of your stuff. So we get it. But what we realized, we were like, you know, there doesn't need to be another platform out there to sell more stuff to consumers. Why don't we actually build something to help users and instead of making them spend money, encouraging them to actually use what they have instead of spending more. And so um, so to answer your question, yes, we thought of a lot of ideas. Some of them are great ideas um, or perfectly fine ideas, but all of them are meant to sell people more stuff. And, and finery is basically the opposite of that. Yeah, I think that's great because you definitely feel like oversold a lot of the time. So what then was sort of the impetus, you know, you you had this idea uh, with Finery, what was sort of the impetus behind starting this business together? Well, we always, like when we, when we say we always wanted to do something together, it's mostly because not that we got all the ideas we're really about, passionate about, but it is really hard to find somebody that you could actually start a business with. Like that is, I think, almost as hard as finding somebody you can live the rest of your life with, or sometimes harder because <laughs> you kind of have to be at your wit's end. You can be um, really frustrated. You have to be really honest and you have to have like a real base level of respect for each other. And, and it's like child rearing. You have to really believe in the same morals and you have to have that compass that's the same and it's not easy to find. And not that you can't go out it alone, but one of the topics that most at these tech conferences and at these big, like create and cultivate, it's finding a co-founder and the, the conundrum of the co-founder. And, and there's so many problems with that. And what's so interesting is that when you actually know the one, like it's almost like, oh, that's the one. Like if you ever want to start a company, you want to start it with this person. They're logical. They are pathological. <laughs> they are um, they're amazing, and they respect you, and you respect them, and they will call your ass out, and that you can call their ass out, and and but yet there's a base level of respect, and that's really hard to find. So when you do, you kind of need it begs you to find a great idea. So how do you go about? finding that that like perfect business match i mean have have both of you tried ventures with other people and just it just wasn't a good match i had not i coming from sort of the film and television world i am sort of thrust into a work environment with coworkers, um not of my choosing fortunately i've enjoyed all of them but my sort of work history is incredibly different in that like i've been forced 
to work with several different people who I may or may not choose to work with. Um, again, fortunately, I had great experiences, but I think you know that that sort of taught me a lot in how to to really be fluid in my professional approach. Um, Whitney, my partnership with Whitney was really my first entrepreneurial endeavor, the first time ever starting a business on my own. Whitney had a lot of experience or had some experience in the past. Um, but it was, it was really my first experience. And for me, it was just a no brainer. We had been friends for a long time. As Whitney said, we really trusted each other and we were equally, equally passionate about this idea. Um, and that to me was enough, you know, um, okay, I'm back. sorry. Um, no, but for me, Whitney was my, my first, my first sort of, um, business partner and, and Whitney, I'll let you answer that question for yourself, but. Um, it, it just felt like the most organic thing in the world to go into business with her. I definitely had had some bad experiences, but not, not bad in, in a way that's like not a great learning experience. Just like just not a great match. Like I never, I never decided to go into business with any of them because I saw early on, like we didn't share the same work ethic. We didn't have the same level of integrity. What I thought was not okay, it was okay for them. Um, so like all of those things, like you have to see ahead of time and you kind of have to really know the person because it, it, it's not like you just want to roll along, find somebody with a good idea and both of you guys go together and start a company because like there will be things that come up that will be like really deep in your integrity that are not matching. And you have, you've got to, if you're going to take investors money, you need to be able to be on the same page. So when those decisions come up, that's a no-brainer that you would do the same as your business partner would and you know it without asking yeah those are great points i mean it's just like any great partnership you're not going to be 100 percent on the page same page all the time but you know hopefully at the core you you share the same values and the same vision of course for for your company and you know you you talked a little bit about investor money and you know it's certainly an interesting time right now with with women and the movement for female entrepreneurship and then you know all the negative statistics about women trying to get businesses up and running and and not having access to funds you know what was the process like when you were kind of in the initial stages of getting finery up and running as, as female entrepreneurs can you talk a little bit about you know self-funding and finding investors and what that whole process is like. I'll start this one off because I, all, everything you're saying is true. It's incredibly challenging. And there's a reason we're having such a, there's a reason there's such a big conversation surrounding females and raising capital right now. But what I will say is that just to put a positive spin on it, because we're hearing really sort of negative, awful, depressing statistics. Um, and, and they're true. But what I will say is that Women have 80% of the spending power in the household, and you're seeing the rise of all of these female-founded, female-led companies, and you're seeing that female CEOs actually are having more success than male CEOs, and um, and, and as a result of all of that, VCs um, are really, really, really excited and, and interested in investing in women. They understand we have the, the spending power. They understand that a lot of pro- products haven't been built by women for women. So I think right now, as a result of all of the sort of negative rhetoric around females raising money, there's actually a lot of interest in the VC world. People saying, like, what are women using? What, what do women want right now? How are women interacting with their stuff? How are women interacting with their tech? I want to be where they are. I want to invest in what they're interested in. So I think right now, while the statistics are still, you know, incredibly depressing, I think we really are 
um, on the rise. You know, female-run companies, I, I think they were invested threefold this year as compared to um, 2016. So the statistics are increasing. They are getting better. There is light at the end of the tunnel. And I think right now for women specifically, it's a really exciting time to start a company because people are eager to invest in women. At the very least, just to change the rhetoric around around their VC firms, you know, to be able to say we are investing in female. See, look, here's the evidence. Um, and quite frankly, we'll take it. So uh, Whitney can speak to the experiences more. And, 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 and I think Whitney, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I definitely have a more optimistic view of the whole process. <laughs> um, but I will say, like, it is a very exciting time in that people are incredibly eager, VCs are incredibly eager to invest in women right now. I think Brooklyn's assessment of her optimism is 100% accurate. <laughs> and I, I agree. And I do, I really enjoy that optimism because, but I, I will say that, yes, they are interested. And I agree totally with Brooke at that, that they're really interested in women. Will they actually like make the first move and take take the plunge and invest in women? That is still really up for debate. So it is great that yes, we have interest and people, and even if it is just because they need to show interest or feign affection, that's great. However, if they really look at it, like if you want to diversify your investments, you would need to not be so monolithic when you're picking who you invest in because. A, a really great deal of whether a startup makes it has a lot to do with the founders, how dedicated they are, how um, and what their stamina is, like what their dedicate, like what their integrity and dedication. All of those things add up to be whether your half a thing is your idea and then the other half is your stamina. And I think, like you know, women, I I I think there's a lot to prove. And I think when you take money from an investor, you now as a woman need to make sure that you are successful. Otherwise, you're, you're, and it's really a lot more pressure. And everybody has pressure in the startup world, but if you do take venture money, you want to prove them right. You want to say, invest in more women. So like there's a second layer of pressure. Not only do you want to be successful, but you also need to have you need to be able to set a precedent for the future so because investors really look at how um patterns work so patterns in the past have been oh white male comes out of harvard or yale or princeton or stanford drops out early decides to do a startup works for instagram sells his company to instagram let's invest in him and then that's the cycle. And so if you are an investor, you want to invest in patterns because patterns typically make, have great returns. And women aren't typically creating tech because they aren't having an opportunity to and because they aren't being invested in. So, you know, you're not going to see that pattern of a female-led tech company. So you're not going to, you're going to say that's aberrant. I'm not investing in that. And so that's where we have to really turn the tide. We have to start creating but we have to produce because otherwise we'll just be another like this will be just a little trend we need it to not be a trend we need it to be the standard yeah those are great points i love that very well said so before we kind of jump more into finery have there been any money lessons that stand out to you that you've learned through the process kind of getting the business to where they are 
Yes. So for me, I think one thing that's really interesting about raising right now and just being a, a, a female entrepreneur is that I don't think a lot of women realize that they can invest, that they can become investors. And we're not talking about putting in $50,000 or $100,000. We're talking about putting in a couple years of savings into a company that could eventually make you a lot of money. You know, there's men are exposed to deal flow just regularly, just socially. You know, my friends at this startup, my friends working here or oh, I know this guy, he's working at my company, now he's starting his own thing. There's just sort of like a community that um, I, I think is kind of integral in, 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 in sort of male fellowship where they talk about deal flow and they talk about, you know, uh, different opportunities, different investment opportunities. And so they then are investing themselves and then making money when these companies have exits, which is great. But I think women actually were never... For me, at least personally, like we didn't until very recently, my my circle of friends, like we didn't talk about companies that we were investing in. We didn't know that it was really an option. We didn't know that individuals could invest. We thought it had to be established money. We didn't understand that as an individual, an individual we could actually put money into things that we believed in. Um, and, and so until I became an entrepreneur and we actually started raising, we did our friends and family round and we did, we were funded by women. I, I didn't even understand that that was something that I could do with my money. You're just taught to sort of save it or... And, you know, investing in the stock market, like there are sort of the traditional ways of investing and saving your money, none of which are really in startup culture. And so I think for me, it's been such a huge education on how I can actually spend and save my money. And especially being someone, you know, I'm 31 now, so I, I'm still fairly young, um, therefore can take those risks and invest in companies. And I think if women are sort of more exposed to that um, or exposed to more opportunities, I think they can see like, oh, there are different ways to diversify you know, this income I'm making. And again, it doesn't have to be tens of thousands of dollars. It can be a small amount that you're investing in your friend's bake shop that she's opening, you know, or another friend who's starting a website, whatever that may be. Um, those opportunities weren't something that I was ever exposed to growing up or even in my 20s. And I think now we're seeing more of. And so I think that's a lesson that just women specifically can really take home. is like you can invest. Your dollar does have power and it can make you a lot of money. Yeah, that's great. Whitney, what about you? I totally agree with Brooklyn. I think these aren't the things that we see in our circle of friends. And yet, um, you know, a lot of men get to see it. This term deal flow is not even something that you would even know what it is, but it's like being able to see ideas come across your desk and like, say like Lola, for instance, the um, tampon, the subscription, yes. and now they have like a whole feminine line where they have condoms and um, lube. And like, you know, you wouldn't see that deal when they first did it, they had a lot of investors. Like it wasn't like they went to two big venture capital funds and they're like, oh yeah, we'll invest in you. They had like, I can't remember how many, but but droves of investors that put in a little bit of money and believed in them. And then, then they got, I think they just closed their B round. I don't know. I think it was for 24 million or something great. And two women founders and they're, such amazing women, but they started with some women who believed in them, just a few dollars and then a few thousands of dollars in them, and they both had to quit their jobs. So I think it's really amazing to just sort of look at ideas around you, and maybe you're not the one that's going to create the idea. Maybe you don't, you're, that's not your wheelhouse, but maybe there's a friend of yours who wants to create, you know, uh, something very practical that you believe in and that you like, and you can put, you know, some savings in that, and, and rather than believe it you've put your money in somebody you believe in they and you know well and you, and you think has a good track record 
those people could make you a lot of money. Yeah, that's such a good point, you know, about thinking about it differently and how even just a small amount of money could really lift or help lift, you know, another female owned business up. uh, And that, you know, maybe the strength of everyone around, we can really create more of a culture where we're seeing these patterns of successful women uh, owned businesses. Patterns are key for us to be able to see patterns and then follow them and, and create real trailblazing women that are doing not just things in politics or education, but technology. Because making technology for other women, making something that we can use that we need in our lives. I mean, so many times in Brooklyn and I would go into meetings with men and not that it's, we don't want to mail bash, but it definitely was challenging for them to understand why a woman would want her closet on her phone. And yet we really had to resist saying things like, well, have you ever waited on your wife to get dressed? Like, no, we're not going to say that. That is like, it's, but, oh, to understand that, that's what they would say back to us. Things like, oh, well, you know, my wife is only standing in front of her closet saying, I have nothing to wear. And yet we sit there and we're like, okay, we could have said that from the beginning, but we don't want to. Instead, we were like, well, you know, when, when you have your music on your phone, you have your banking on your phone. It's just a natural extension to want to have the second most valuable thing you own in your home, your closet, on your phone. And I just think that was really hard for them to understand why you need that. They go in, they pick a blazer, they pick, you know, not, not to belittle them getting dressed, some men take a long time to get dressed, but the majority do not. And a woman will spend more than two and a half years of her life thinking about what to wear. And it's not bashing. I mean, that's not even women who are like incredibly, incredibly care about fashion, but the fact that they have to get dressed every day and we're kind of judged on that, um, even just in our professional lives, um, is really important to them. And so why is there not something to manage your wardrobe when you'll spend more than you do on your on your wardrobe. Yeah, you know, I think that's such a good point. You know, there have been so many stories out lately that I've heard through the media of, you know, famous male celebrities, if you will, that talked about the concept of, you know, wearing the same outfit each day to maybe have one less decision to make or to take the guesswork out of it, you know, from Zuckerberg to Obama to Steve Jobs, you know. But I see finery helping women in the same way, like kind of with a twist. I'd, I'd love to know your thoughts on that. And you know, the whole concept of how you can reinvent the wardrobe you have and you don't necessarily have to go out and spend more money. Like that's a really unique thing. I think everybody would love to hire a stylist, but everybody doesn't have the money to do that. But this is this is providing sort of that that same function for women. That is exactly right. And it's funny you mentioned Steve Jobs and Obama and Zuckerberg because they're calling that decision fatigue. And the reason that those men chose to wear the same thing every day is because they had decision fatigue. And you're right. They just didn't have the mind share to think about what to wear. And women are the same. I mean, arguably women are wearing several hats and have even more on their plate than uh, a lot of these very powerful men in that they're dealing with, you know, not only running companies and managing friendships and relationships and children and running the households and doing all of that at once. We're all wearing several different hats. Um, that, that, that figuring out what to wear can be a bit of a pain point. As Whitney was saying, it's two and a half hours a week. Um, and so we wanted to figure out like, how can we bring all of that into one experience, manage all of your stuff and just get your time back. And so with binary, you automatically, we automatically get your entire wardrobe in your phone and you wake up, you say, I have no idea what I'm going to wear. I don't want to go to my closet. I'm going to spend too much time figuring out what I want. You open up your wardrobe and finery 
you click any one of your items, and again, these have been automatically uploaded, so there's very little manual entry for you. Um, you so let's say you see a black blazer in binary, you click that black blazer. We give you street style looks, so basically style info based on that black blazer. So you say, oh, wait, great, here it is. It's with a pair of jeans and a white T-shirt and a loafer for work. Awesome. I'm going to go into my wardrobe. I have a white T-shirt. I have a pair of jeans. I'm going to throw that on and leave. And the idea is we just want to help you manage your stuff. So a lot of women, a lot of online shoppers complain that they forget when something needs to be returned, right? And then you're stuck with a a jean jacket or whatever it is in your closet with tags on it. You haven't worn it because you forgot to (laughs) return it. It's something I've done and I get so angry with myself every time I see one of those items in my closet. Well, we send you a notification like, hey, you have three days left to return this item. Hey, if you don't want to wear that jacket or don't want to keep that jacket, you have one day left to return it. So we're really trying to be a consumer advocate. Um, as I said before, just like really uh, having your back as far as the consumer is concerned in a world where we, we're, we're being told to buy so much. Um, so the idea is we just we want to help you get dressed. And we're not saying that we're style experts necessarily. We're kind of pulling all of this from the sources that women use to get dressed, like Google and Instagram and Pinterest. Um, we're pulling it all into one place to give you inspiration based on what you already have. Just to add to that, exactly what Brooklyn is saying is that sometimes you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like decision fatigue is real. You make 10,000 decisions in a day. Getting dressed is the first one you typically make in the first seven minutes of your day. So the fact is there are a ton of unbelievably fashionable, handsome women out there doing that for you. So we've just created technology that facilitates that. So, you know, Danielle Bernstein from We Were What gets dressed. And she puts on a floral dress with a pair of, like, fashion sneakers. Well, I would have thought, oh, I have to wear, like, wedges or heels or something. But she's wearing it with sneakers. Okay, that's one less decision I have to make. I have a pair of white sneakers. She does. Let's see. Let's see if I can put that outfit together. Rather than I have to get up and think, which shoes should I wear? I just see her inspiration. It's put there right in front of me, in front of my floral dress that looks just like her. So why would you have to go and create something yourself when you have all these amazing, fashionable people doing it for you? We just need to be able to see that. And Yeah, exactly. So what uh, can, can somebody actually shop through Finery as well? Like, let's say they're, they're missing a piece to that, like, perfect wardrobe. Can they actually shop through the app as well? Yes, yes. So we, we encourage you to wear what you actually have and shop your closet. Um, yes, there are wishlist recommendations that we feed you based on your past purchases, based on what you're wearing. Um, so we try to curate that wishlist recommendation so that you're seeing stuff that you would actually purchase or things you actually need. We call them wardrobe gaps, just as you said. Um, and our whole thing is like we don't want to encourage you to shop, but if you're going to shop, great, do it smarter. Don't buy something that you have 10 of already. Um, you know, be, be a, a, an informed consumer. Um, so, yes, you can shop. Um, right now, it's all through affiliate, so it's not necessarily on the platform, but you can definitely browse all of that through Finery. Yeah, I'm definitely guilty of, like, having 10 of the same black dress. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, exactly, exactly. So if you want to shop, it's like, okay, great. Either don't buy it all, wear what you have, or like, hey, maybe I want to buy a red dress. You know, like, we're definitely not trying to tell our users how to interact with their stuff, but we want to just encourage them you know, to do it in a more intelligent way. Like, here's your stuff. You can see everything you have. Then make a decision on whether or not you want to buy. And one of our users actually recently came up with the 
a finery challenge where she wants to wear, what is it, like three months worth without shopping? Mm-hmm. The whole summer, yep. Yes, the whole summer without shopping. So trying to find on finery the new ways to wear the things, the old things you have. And currently we only wear 20% of our wardrobe. So she basically has a big challenge ahead of her. She's challenging other finery users to only wear what you have for the summer. And so use finery. You have that old polka dot to us. We'll click on see info and there'll be someone there who has some interesting way to wear it that you haven't thought of. Maybe with a t-shirt underneath. Maybe with a, like a, a cropped jean jacket. You take your old jean jacket and you cut them. You see somebody is doing that on Instagram or on Pinterest or on Google. We present it to you at the beginning of the day. That's great. I love that challenge. I think as I'm like have 10 shopping windows open on my computer, that would probably be a great challenge. Same. (laughs) Same, by the way, especially with all the sales going on right now. It's just so enticing. It's like, let's take a step back and actually wear what we have. Also, we were sort of like, like what Brooklyn said about just buying strategically. Not only do you want to not buy what you already have, but you want to buy it at the most optimal time. So we, it seems like there's so many features, but if you think about all the things that have to do with your wardrobe, one, you buy it, you need to know when to return it. We remind you of that. Two, you're looking at something, you just said all those windows open. I can't tell you how many women, including me, including Brooklyn, we used to have like tabs, 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 tabs. First of all, it slows down your browsing experience. So we created this thing, it's kind of like a Pinterest button that you put on your browser. Whenever you see anything that you like, you don't add it to the cart on that tab. You just click the F button on your browser and it goes on to one wish list. And then we tell you when it's 75% off. So you won't even have to track that or keep that open. We'll send you a notification and tell you, hey, this item just went on sale. Ah, you're making my life a lot easier <laughs> and saving me a ton of time. Awesome. Well, I'd love to to end out. I've got kind of four uh, like fast round questions um, I'd like to go through. So the first one is, what has been your favorite splurge on a piece of clothing? Favorite splurge on a piece of clothing? Oh, goodness. Um, I'm a designer thing I ever bought. I was maybe 21 and I had gotten a big modeling job and I bought myself a pair of black leather Chloe boots and I bought them on sale and I no longer wear them, but there was something about like saving up and buying my first nice high-end piece that felt like such a big accomplishment. I love it. All right. How about Whitney? So I, it was my, I had a big job interview for, I was working in local news in New York and I really wanted the best suit because I was going to CNN and it was like, I wanted a lady suit. Like I wanted a dress with a nice jacket <laughs> and cold and I just remember I went to Bergdorf Goodman and I was I was 26 and I was like, you know what? If you want an important job, you need to dress like an important person. So I thought all the important people go to Bergdorf Goodman and I walked in and I got this red Michael Kors long jacket and a dress. And what's so interesting, I still have it to this day. And on finery, I actually just wore it for the first time again um, I put, I put it with like a cool blouse and just wore it with the blouse because I had it in my wardrobe. I didn't want to get rid of it because it had sentimental value because I got the job, but I also hadn't worn it in seven years. And then lo and behold, I like challenged myself to try to wear all of my clothes. And I found, I got this cool, like 
uh, you know, those um, pussy bow blouses. So I just like wore that with this red suit. And suddenly it became like fresh again because I put the, the, the shirt underneath the dress. So it was kind of like a twist, but it kind of fulfilled two things. One, I was in such a flourish because like I did not shop at Burger Women when I was 26. And then it was also <laughs> such a decadent thing that then it was so exciting to be able to rewear it and like use the product that we just created to find the outfit that it goes with. That's awesome. I love that. All right. So Brooklyn, what would be your best piece of advice to a fellow female entrepreneur who wanted to start a business and has never done so? Find a co-founder. Because if you're a first-time entrepreneur, it really helps you learning to have someone in the trenches with you. There are so many times that I reach out to Whitney just asking so many questions. They would seem, dumb, they would seem completely dumb to a seasoned entrepreneur um, and they don't seem dumb to her because she's in it with me. So I, I think finding a co-founder, they're wrong co-founder, someone who really going to push you and balance you out can be infinitely helpful when you're really doubting yourself or you're going through these hard times or you're dealing with anything challenging at all. Great. What about you, Whitney? I would, first of all, I'm so flattered. No. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Thanks, <laughs> me. But I, 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 and what, what Brooklyn would know is that you have, you if you have an idea, you have to make sure that you're obsessed with it, not excited about it, not like, this is a good idea. It has to be an obsession, not a hobby or not, uh, oh, I kind of think it's cool. Because when you get to the point where you're making life choices of whether, like Brooklyn has two kids, she just had another baby, Evie is like amazing, but she has to make a phone call for work. That's when you have to know that you are obsessed with the idea and you're obsessed with with really helping your end user to to the point where it's almost like you have to give up certain things that would not be logical. You you have to kind of, you can't go into an idea with just a passion. It has to be an obsession. Very good. Okay, last last question. Um, so I talk a lot about on this podcast how we all kind of have money mishaps in life, you know, things that may be like, oh, I'd probably do that over again. But, you know, it's not a big deal because we're all, we're all living life. So what would you say is maybe your most favorite, I like to call them, money mishap uh, or splurge on money that you've that you've done so far that uh, like for me it's travel. You know, I probably spent way too much money on travel, but I would never take that back. Uh, what, about, what about you, Brooklyn? I have spent too much money on clothes. I really have, and a big part of that is because for my job before becoming an entrepreneur, how you looked sort of mattered, and so I put a lot of money into clothing. And I really wish that I wouldn't have because ultimately it doesn't matter. And like, there's this whole, like, I mean, Whitney was on the news before and she would get letters when people were like, you wore that again. You're an outfit repeater. People would be bashing her for that. But like, why is that considered a negative thing? It seems so ridiculous that we wouldn't be just efficient and wear the things we love multiple times. And so that was really part of the reason I became obsessed with finery because I love the idea of investing in the things you love and getting maximum use out of them. Um, so that was definitely, I have, I do, it's not, I mean, I definitely regret a lot of money on clothes over the years. Um, I'm sure I would make the same mistakes again, you know, given the opportunity. Um, but, but that's part of the reason why I love our product so much, because I think we're trying to get people away from sort of that, like, you know, mass consumption and moving into like a more curated, um, you know, highly targeted experience. Very cool. What about you, Whitney? I, 
I definitely agree. Clothes. My mom would always say to me, "Don't scrimp on your hair or your shoes." And I'm like, first of all, who uses that word? <laughs> I don't even know. Like, what is that? Right. So, but it's funny. And then she would. And then I think I think Brooklyn would beg to differ that I I definitely love shoes. But I my mom would say like you have to, like take care of your feet and you have to have nice shoes because then your feet you know, will hurt and all hers were very practical about it. But Brooke would say that I may, I may, I may like life of shoes, but my feet are not happy. <laughs> they are terrible looking. You could not her tell her torn I'm... apart by her shoes. <laughs> they, they look terrible. That, that's great. But I still totally wear my shoes and they aren't comfortable at all. That's great. I love that. You will sacrifice all comfort for a cute shoe. That's for sure. You definitely sacrifice. And what is so great is that Brooke is like a half size less than me. And so I will buy shoes that don't fit because they went on sale or like, I love them. And then and I'll end up being like, yeah, these I can't wear. She's like, thank you. But she never goes too big for her. I'll take them. <laughs> Sharing is caring. Awesome. So tell the listeners if they're piqued by Finery, uh, where can they go to find out more information and what do they need to do to get started? Go to finery.com or find us in the app store. We are Finery. We, there is one called Finery they have to pay for. You do not have to pay for us. We are free. Save your money. Do not buy Finery. It is free right now. Um, and you download it and then we get you started automatically. It's really easy. So my hope is that you enjoyed this episode as much as I did putting it together. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Shauna Game. You can also check out Millennial Money on Spotify and we're on the new Google podcast Android app. So be sure to check those out and all of our back catalog episodes if you want to learn more about what we're up to. As always, please feel free, share Millennial Money with your friends, with your family, put it on their phone, put it on their podcast app, get them listening as well, and head on over to that link in the show notes to leave us a review. Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important, but... Then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC.